Um, am I allowed to say that? Where is the love? Welcome back to another episode of the To Be Honest podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today from wherever you are listening. I did want to give a shout out to a few countries that I saw were streaming this week. Shout out to the United States. God bless America. Shout out Belize, Australia, Canada, Finland, Singapore, Germany, the Philippines, and India. Thank you for streaming. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. All of those three words mean the exact same thing. So you can tell I'm really reaching in the gratitude department right now. But I was very surprised to see this, so I reached out to my host site and I said, hey, when it, sa- when it says on here that people are listening in these countries, does it mean that people are listening in these countries? And they wrote back, um, yes, that's what it means, you dumb idiot. Thank you for reaching out. So um, I'm just kidding, for legal purposes. They answered my question very kindly and with great professionalism. But I was surprised to see this because my last episode was literally recorded in a closet. And um, I have upgraded to my bedroom. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but maybe I will be in the living room next week. But I was surprised to see this in just three episodes. And I'm very thankful that um, this podcast is reaching way beyond the small circle that I thought it would. But the thing that makes me most excited is to see that a lot of people who are listening are being motivated to get the help that they may need and are given space to recognize that they are not alone. And my intention with starting this podcast was simply to bring honesty and awareness to different topics and different sides of topics that aren't often discussed and motivating people towards wholeness. I am not a professional counselor. I went to... Bible college, so I know the Bible, but I can't do quick math. Let that sit with you for a second. But to the people who are interested, I highly recommend professional counseling. Um, I personally recommend professional Christian counseling. That is what has helped me, and that is what has changed my life. And I have an amazing counselor. His name is Zach Dixon. And no matter where you are at in the world, in the U.S., you can schedule a counseling appointment with him. It's all virtual, and I will link his information in the episode notes. I'm going to shift gears dramatically here for a second because I was just driving through Troy, which is a town that I used to live in, and I drove past this gas station, and I was reminded of a story of something that happened to me about a year and a half ago, and I just thought to myself, man, I think the world needs to hear this story. So about a year and a half ago, I pulled up to this gas station, and I looked ahead of me, and there were a few construction workers, and I was trying to figure out what they were building because there were rumors that they were that they were going to build a canes a raising canes in Troy and so I'm I'm looking I'm trying to figure out does this look like the structure of a canes what's going on here and I look over and this group of guys is are looking at me and I thought oh no they think I'm looking at them just look away get out of your car pump gas quickly and leave so I did just that and I got back in my car And I look over and they were looking at me and they were waving. And I was like, no, you know, I'm married. Sorry, kind of, you know, gave them a slight little flash of the ring and started to drive away. And they 
were waving and pointing at something and they started walking towards me. And I was like, oh my, I got to get out of here. I am not safe. Something is happening. So I'm driving home and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, first of all, I look like trash today, but I guess I'm on fire. That's what I'm thinking to myself. And then I thought, what do they think is going to happen? They're going to come up to the car. Like, do they think that I want to give them my number? You know, like I'm thinking what's going through guys' heads when they do stuff like this. And I'm kind of just like dissecting in my mind what just happened. And I pull up to my house and I'm like, first of all, I cannot wait to tell my husband that these guys were trying to holler at me because what wife doesn't want their husband to know that construction workers want them You know, so I like get out. I'm kind of like all smirky. I get in my back seat to get something. And when I closed the door, I looked at the side of my car and realized that my gas cap was off with the little gas door open. For those of you who are not understanding what's happening here, these guys were not at all hitting on me. They were trying to tell me that my gas cap was open. They were probably a group of Christian family men just trying to help a young woman who they were not attracted to whatsoever drive away safely. So I'll let you pull your own little moral from that story. I know what it means to me, but that's my life. So, you know, you go ahead and draw your own conclusion of what that means to you. And on the rare occasion that I do have anything like that to tell to my husband, that's an actual reality of that story. He is so not jealous and very secure in our marriage and in our relationship. So I'll tell him something like that. And I'm like, Brent, the cashier today at the store handed me my receipt, smiled and said, have a nice day. And I was like, whoa, buddy, I am not interested. And I'll tell him stories like that. And he'll be like, nice. I'm like, nice. Is that nice to you? Is it nice to you to think that I got hit on today? And, you know, he's just very, um, he's very whole and very healthy. And I am in counseling, which actually leads me into today's topic. I titled this week's episode, To Be Honest, Healing Hurts. And I titled it that because when I first began my journey of emotional healing, I think I had this fantasy world in my mind of what it looked like for me to be healed and what it looks like for me to be whole and how I would be and how I would act and really just keeping that fantasy in my mind and not realizing what the journey leading up to now would actually look like and what it would actually feel like. And I always use the analogy that healing from pain and trauma can be a lot like having a broken bone, or an open wound that requires attention. It requires to be touched and looked at and taken a deeper look at. However, anytime someone gets near it, anytime someone tries to touch it, it's very painful. And you can scream and you can cry. You can say, don't touch that. You know, I'm just going to walk around broken and bleeding because it feels like it's easier to do that than to allow someone to touch that area that needs attention so much. And the thing about walking around with broken bones and open wounds, metaphorically speaking, is that they only become worse over time. 
they only cause infection and can take over your body. Pain and trauma can take over your relationships, your marriage. It spills over into the way that you think, the way that you process, the way that you talk. And the longer that you wait to deal with pain, the longer that you wait to deal with trauma, the harder it becomes to heal. And I can speak directly to that because I have experience in trying to function with open wounds. I have experience in trying to put a Band-Aid over something that requires hours and hours of surgery. I have experience in thinking there's something not quite right with me, but I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. I have experience in rejecting the healing process because it's too painful to confront the root. But I also have experience in laying my weapons down and dealing with each broken place one at a time. Day by day, month by month, year by year, years by years. And I say all of that because healing is a process, which is a difficult pill to swallow in 2021 when we can pretty much have anything at our fingertips. But oftentimes healing from emotional pain and trauma doesn't happen overnight. I'm not saying it can't, but oftentimes it doesn't. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes work. And I personally don't believe that you can experience genuine healing and freedom without the Holy Spirit and without a relationship with Jesus. Now, I know I have a lot of listeners from talking to you that don't believe in God, and I love you, and I'm glad you're listening. And I know there's, I want to be diplomatic, and I want to have the conversation, and I want to be open-minded. And I know that there's a lot of pathways to healing out there in our world right now. There's a lot of things that this world is offering that's saying, do this, and you'll be healed. Do this, and you'll be free. Meditate on this hold this, take this, whatever. And I'm telling you right now, all of that is a counterfeit version of the reality of the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. And maybe I just lost some of you. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But if I'm going to attempt to propel people towards freedom, then I'm going to do it in a way that works, that's sustainable, and that lasts forever. But I'm not going to encourage and promote something that I don't believe in to make other people comfortable. But I love y'all. And I hope you're still listening because good news is on the horizon. For time's sake, I'm not going to talk about every single area of my life that I have received slash am receiving healing and counsel for. I think that perhaps different episodes will, will merit different parts of my story. But for today's episode, I want to focus on what was the biggest thing that kind of shattered and turned my world upside down, and that was the loss of my father. I moved in with my dad full-time after my parents' divorce when I was, I think I was seven, and he was my whole world. Anytime we had to write an essay or a story in school about who our hero was, it was him. Anytime somebody asked me who my best friend was, I would say him, and he worked very hard with me every single day to earn those titles. And from as early as I can remember, I don't think that there was a day that went by where he didn't encourage me. And he would always say, well, his one-liner, which if anybody knew my dad, you know this one-liner, but he would say to us every day, there's greatness in you and you're meant to do great things. And I believed every word he said. He was a single parent raising three kids and he worked so hard to provide for us and to work a full-time job and to somehow be at every game, every recital, 
every good day, every bad day. I never, ever felt like I got what was left of my dad. I always felt like I got his best. I thought very highly of myself because he engraved in my brain from a very young age that there was nothing in this entire world that was impossible for me. I never settled for less than the best. I never compromised in relationships. I never compromised my body because there was always just this strong sense of identity in me and knowing who I was and what I was capable of. And looking back, I can see that there was daily work that was invested into me from him that caused me to have lifelong effects in my confidence. I seldom throughout my life have felt like I wasn't good enough, but also genuinely feel like I'm not better than anyone else. And I think the word confidence is such a almost, it almost feels like a taboo wor- word in 2021 because a false sense of humility and insecurity is so celebrated. I see it all the time. It's like not believing in yourself and your capabilities and your talents and your gifts has somehow in a twisted way become attractive because it presents itself in a package of false humility. And it's like, man, we got to celebrate this person. We got to elevate them. We got to bring them to the top because they are so stinking humble when it's like insecurity does not equal humility in the same way that confidence in who you are does not equal pride. So then you have these confident people who love themselves and who are, who believe in who they are, who can actually be pushed down because although everybody wants everybody to love themselves and be confident of who they are and what God has called them to do, it's like the reality and the health of that makes other people uncomfortable. So it's this cycle of, this is like, this is another episode. This is a total another episode. But I was raised by a man who never had me questioning whether or not he loved me or he believed in me. And because of that, I seldom struggled with my self-worth and my confidence, and I seldom cared what others thought about me. When I was 17 on December 1st, 2010, my dad sent me a text message while I was at work and asked me what I wanted for dinner. So I came home and he made, um, he made us dinner and we watched a little bit of a movie and we were both so tired because we had worked all day and he told me that, um, he wanted the heating pad because he had pulled a muscle in his left arm at work and it was really hurting and um I'm sorry this is like the freaking third episode that I've cried in but I didn't know that that was the early stages of a heart attack so I brought him the heating pad and I hugged him And I went upstairs and I went to bed. And um, a couple hours later, I woke up to ambulance lights outside of my bedroom window. And um, my brother 
sitting on the edge of my bed. And um, he told me that dad had had passed away and I was so confused. I, I like didn't believe him and I, um, I ran down the stairs and, um, and my dad was, um, he had had a heart attack on the couch and I just remember I kept screaming and saying no and I, um, I kept thinking that I was in a nightmare and I kept asking God to wake me up. And I went over to him and I just remember I was kissing his head and I looked around the room because there were paramedics standing around the room and um, there was, uh, I think, a coroner there. I, I don't know. I just remember there was a lot of people in my living room and... I looked at all of them and I said, I know that you do this all the time, but I want you to know that this time it's different. I said, I want you to know that he was, he's a good dad. And I I want you to know that this time on the job is different. And my siblings and I always say, if it would have been a movie, it would have been the worst thing you've, you've ever seen. And I remember feeling like I couldn't breathe. And so I went and I opened the door and I just stuck my head out. And it was the first snowfall of the year. And I'll never forget looking around outside and seeing a few people outside of their homes and their robes and pajamas and seeing all of the ambulance and The ambulance lights were on and the cop cars lights were on and everything was lit up red. And I'll never forget seeing all of that and watching the red snow fall and hit the ground and I could not hear anything. It was like this twisted moment of calm in the middle of this storm. December 1st, 2010 changed the trajectory of my life. And I had experienced pain and trauma leading up to this moment. But if I had to paint a picture of it, the trauma that I experienced leading up to that night were like little spider fractures all over a windshield. And that night completely shattered me. My dad was my entire world and I couldn't and still can't explain to people that this was not an average loss, that this was astronomical. And there are a few things that I'll never forget and some of you may be able to relate to this, but in the coming days and weeks and months, I remember thinking to myself that I thought it was so incredible that our physical bodies could experience so much pain and not die. I mean, I was literally checking my pulse at times because you can't imagine feeling that much physical pain on the inside and and living through it. 
It's torture. And I remember saying to God, if you are not going to take my pain, then I need you to take my life because I can't do this. And I, I remember praying, God, please let me die. Please let me die. And then I would like stop praying and check and see if I was still alive. <laughs> the other thing I'll never forget is having to go to sleep to exit a nightmare. Sleep was the only time when I wasn't feeling anything. And I remember I would cry myself to sleep and then I would sleep for a couple hours and the very second my alarm went off, I would wake up screaming. It's like being put out for half of a surgery and then being woken up during the most intense part of it and being asked to stay awake. So needless to say, I slept quite a bit. That's why I think it's so funny when people say, you know, I can't believe that it came out that so-and-so was an alcoholic and they're just drinking all the time or that this person is on drugs or addicted to this or that. And I'm like, really? I can. I can believe it. They're hurting. And pain causes you to do things that you never thought you would do. Tormenting pain causes you to end up in situations you never thought you'd be in. Then people become dependent on whatever they're anesthesia is and it causes them to be in more pain than they originally started with which again I think that is also probably another episode but after I moved in with my sister and my brother-in-law I had to finish high school I had one semester left and I I mean I did not I did not pass my classes I had teachers that passed me, even though I was failing, just so that I would be able to walk at graduation. And to be honest, I didn't even really care if I graduated. I was fully prepared to get my GED because I couldn't stay in school long enough without having a breakdown that I couldn't come out of. So I missed a ton of school. I missed a ton of classes. I missed a ton of work. And um, I barely graduated. <laughs> and I did graduate, but only, only because of the grace of some of the teachers that I had at the time. And I went straight to Bible college in Dallas, Texas. And I'm so thankful that I did that because that's where my healing journey began. And I didn't, I didn't go there because I was ambitious. I went there because I needed to get out of where I was. I thought that getting away from Ohio, getting away from my city would somehow erase what was happening to me and it didn't it actually amplified it I mean I essentially moved to Texas in a stretcher <laughs> I might as well have had an ambulance drive me down there because I was so broken I was so messed up I was hurting in so many different places it was like I didn't even know where the pain was coming from from anymore because everything hurt and we have this thing called morning chapel and every morning I would get up and I would go to chapel and I would lay down in the back. And as soon as the music started, I would start weeping through every single song from the first song to the last song. And some of these songs were fast. Like some of these songs were like legitimate, jumping, exciting, joyful songs. And I'm sitting back there weeping. I mean, if anyone saw me, they would 100% know that I was crazy because I was crying through every, laying on the ground, every single song crying. Didn't matter if it was fast or slow. It was the presence of God. 
and I was wrecked. It was like somebody was turning all of the lights on in a dark home of a hoarder and just gutting it. And I believe that there are many factors and components to healing, but there is something about the presence of God that can undo something that the enemy has spent years winding up in one moment. In looking back now, I can see that the presence of God literally healed me. And there were so many great words that were given to me. There were incredible messages that were spoken. We had people from all over the world come and speak. And all of that was incredible. And I learned so much. But it was being in God's presence that restored my life. There's a prayer room on campus. And I know that there are mascara tears inside of the carpet of that prayer room from where God healed me. And over the years, and while I was there, I pursued professional counseling, and I spoke to doctors, and all of that made a radical difference in my life and in my healing process, but I never abandon the presence of God in the midst of all of that. Doctors and medicine and counseling and therapy are not alternatives to Jesus. They're a gift in addition to. Pursuing healing hurts so bad because it's a constant knock on the door in your heart of every single room that is filled with so much pain. A couple years ago, I went to this house that was on a farm and outside they had this really big barn and on the other side of the barn, fenced in, was a bunch of goats and kittens. And the people that I was visiting said, do you want to go into where the goats and kittens are? Because sometimes the kittens will like jump on the goats back and it's really cute. And, you know, do you want to go see that? And I was like, do I want to go see that? I want to set up camp there and eventually be at a place in my life where I can adopt all of them, the goats and the kittens. So yes, I want to go in there and I want to see them. So they were like, okay, follow me. We have to walk through this barn in order to get to the fenced-in area. And in this barn, there's like a lot of cobwebs and spiders and there's rodents. Like you might see a, mite, a mouse and it's really dark and there's a lot of horse poop. And um, I was standing there thinking, okay, well, that information changes things for me. I'm a city girl and I don't do the barn thing. But I could see on the other end, I could see through to the kittens and the goats. And I just thought to myself, well, okay, sometimes you've got to risk your life for cute and unusual animal friendships. So I turn on my flashlight on my phone and I'm ducking and I start to walk through. And let me just say, they did not leave one thing out. It was everything that they said it was. And I'm walking through and I'm like, oh God, ew, gross. No, I mean, they they probably wanted to feed me to the horses at this point because I was being so annoying walking through this disgusting, um, infested barn. And we get to the very end and we finally walk in to the gate and we're outside and <laughs> the kittens are playing with the goats and and we were in fresh air and I'm like taking pictures and, you know, these people are probably thinking this girl has never seen a farm animal up close in her life. And they're right. I hadn't. But that is a perfect picture of how healing can be. Sometimes you have to literally walk through crap 
You have to confront things that are scary. You have to step into areas that you don't want to be. You have to talk about things that are uncomfortable and expose things that are painful. Or you end up staying in a dark and toxic place and calling it home because you have no idea what's on the other side of that. And let me just say that I'm so thankful for the healing that has taken place in my life. I'm so thankful that I'm not where I used to be, but I am still in the healing process. My pain doesn't define me, but it has changed me. And there are still many days that I have to walk back into painful places to see what else needs to be taken out, what else needs to be replaced with the love of God. Walking in freedom and wholeness and moving towards healing doesn't really look like the fantasy that I had in mind. It looks a lot less like trying to look like I'm okay all the time and a lot more like having the freedom to confess when I'm not. Even though the journey of healing has been painful for me, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for what I've learned during the process, and I'm so thankful for what I'm still learning. But most importantly to me, I'm so thankful that I'm not where I could be if I rejected the process that I so desperately needed to be in. And to those of you listening who were able to identify with anything that I said today. I just want you to know that you can have healthy relationships, you can have healthy marriages, and you can be healthy parents. You just have to be willing to go through and to stay in the process. Thank you for spending some of your day with me to talk about something that is a little more heavy. I hope that today was helpful for you and that you feel encouraged to move towards wholeness. Stay tuned for episode five. Thanks for listening today. And if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is released, you can subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at Celeste underscore Ely.